For those who don't know, my name is Dane. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you do know, though, because uh, you were praying for us uh, just over six months ago for our arrival. Well, I know that you know the story from uh, NLCC's side, but I thought I would fill you in from a bit of the roller coaster bumpy ride that we had from our side to give you a bit of perspective on uh, the not so peachy journey that we've been on. So I'm going to jump straight in. In December 2020, we, we had been feeling, Kerry and myself, Kerry is my wife, she works down uh, in the K-5 as the K-5 director. You might have met her if you have a kid there. We really felt that God was doing something in our lives, that he was leading us to something new. And so to be obedient to him, we had to start making steps. We had to do what he was calling us to do. And so the first thing we needed to do was that we sold our house. Well, in February 2021, uh, we phoned, well, I phoned the estate agent and I was asked them, how long is this process going to take? How much time do I have? And she was like, mm, two weeks, a week to two weeks. So Carrie and I weren't stressing or worried at all. We had hardly packed up anything and we had gone across to my mom's place and it was about 4.30 in the afternoon. We got a phone call saying, well, the transfer's just got, gone through and you need to be out the house by 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. We had packed pretty much nothing. I think we probably had three boxes that <laughs> we had packed, and we hadn't even thought about all of this, you know, selling stuff and getting rid of stuff. So we had a whole house to pack up by 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Well, we phoned and tried to sort out a, a plan, and we were like, can we pay for occupational rent? Can we live there and we'll pay you rent for it? And they're like, no, we want to be in. <laughs> so we came to this agreement that we could go till 12 p.m. So we had an extra four hours. <laughs> I'll tell you the other side of the story later, but uh, that was pretty stressful, I'm sure you can imagine. Then we moved in with my family, and how my family's house worked is that there were regularly eight people in the house with four bedrooms for six months, which you can imagine is incredibly tough. If you know my children, who are seven and five, it is even more tough <laughs> to be in a house with eight people and stay sane. But in the midst of that, I started having these interviews with NLCC, and for some reason they liked me, I don't know why. Uh, but I ended up uh, having, well, they ended up offering me the job, the position of the youth pastor here. And in the process of that, I went and did some research online, and the Immigration Canada website said it's probably gonna be about four weeks. As you know, it wasn't. Probably gonna be about four weeks, and uh, we banked on maybe like six weeks, including like travel plans and all that sort of stuff. Well, that didn't happen. By September, we had sold and given away pretty much all of our stuff, and we had made the big decision to leave our home city and move to Cape Town, where Kerry's family is, so that we can spend an extended chunk of time with them. Well, within 10 days of being there, uh, the, one of the family members we were staying with had a blow up with our children, and uh, we needed to move out. <laughs> it did not end well. and so. Our plans was to stay there, and that plan went out the window, and we didn't know where we were going to live. We managed to find an Airbnb, which was great. But we were in that Airbnb for a long time, and we weren't earning a salary, and we were paying into the Airbnb. More stress. Along that journey, the people we were staying with, uh, or the Airbnb we were staying in, told us that their family was coming, and we needed to move out. More stress. <laughs> so we managed to find another place uh, in very short time, and we moved into there. 
had severe allergic reaction to that house, and uh, I, it was basically like I had bad, bad COVID, so I couldn't go anywhere, which was fantastic. And uh, thankfully, within 10 days of moving into that house, we got word from immigration that we could send our passports in, that we'd be accepted to come to Canada, that we would have work permits. Well, uh, in the timeline that they told us, we booked our flights to come here, and on the Monday morning when our flights were due to leave, guess what? <laughs> the passports hadn't arrived back. I will leave it there so that I can tell you the other end a little bit later. But in 11 months, spanning from February to January 2021 to 2022, we had lived in seven different houses, packing up our stuff each time and moving on. Have you ever had times like this where there is so much unknown, where you don't know what God is doing in the midst of the troubles you find yourself in? where you're going like, well, I'm just going to put one step in front of the other, trusting you, Jesus, but this is looking pretty bleak, pretty grim. I'm sure you have, because <laughs> I certainly have. And in this moment, there were moments like that as well. And I don't know what you feel like in those moments. Maybe you feel lost or confused, maybe alone, maybe even feel a bit worthless. I feel like a lot of those feelings came up in my heart in, in these moments. But that's great because we get to focus on the passage today, which is going to be an encouragement. Last week, you'll remember Scott brought us the word, and it was the start of the 72 being sent out by Jesus. And uh, these 72 were normal people, just like you and me. They didn't have any superpowers. Uh, They weren't chosen because of any specific gift that they had. But they were people who trusted Jesus, and they obeyed him. And that's what set them apart. They trusted Jesus, and they obeyed him. They were sent out with nothing. They were tasked to not take anything with them and to trust Jesus. And Jesus said that he would protect them and that he would provide for them. And that's where we kick off today as we read Luke chapter 10, verse 17. It'll be on the screens. Otherwise, if you do want to turn with me, you're welcome. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then, turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus, this morning, we want to have hearts that are receptive to you. Lord, we want to align our minds and our hearts to you. Lord, there are so many things that pull our attention and so many things that draw our attention But Lord, right now, in this space and in this moment, we want it all to be on you. Our hearts are open and we are ready. So Lord, come and have your way. Amen. 
So, have you ever had moments in life where the sheer pace of life, where all the worries that we have to get things done, uh, especially if you have kids, I'm sure you know that there's a whole extra element (laughs) that comes into life. Have you ever had that? Yeah, (laughs) for sure. We were talking with our life group uh, two weeks ago at the end of the Kingdom of God series, and we were speaking about how hard it is to have correct priorities. Uh, Even for me, who works here in the church, it is so hard to have correct priorities when there are so many things pulling our attention. And I feel like that is very similar to what we're speaking about today, to have correct perspective. It's kind of like having the correct priorities. I just love this passage because... Um, it speaks about Jesus being overjoyed by the disciples coming back. Jesus has this immense love at the fact that they have gone out for him, that they have returned, and that they have been successful. And so the overarching thing we're going to be speaking about this morning is Jesus calls us to have correct perspective in our lives. Verse 21 says, In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Our first thing that we look at this morning is that Jesus is overjoyed with kingdom success. Jesus loves it when there is success in the kingdom. And success is not even just the outcomes. Success is the fact that we are trusting him and obedient to him. That's success in the kingdom. Even if we may not get it right, it's still success. And one thing I really love in this passage is that Jesus would often, if you think about the the disciples, the 12 disciples, he would often rebuke them because of the way that they spoke about things. The three examples I thought of was, uh, Matthew said it as well, the little children came to Jesus and they were like, no, no, go away, go away, Jesus doesn't have time for you. And he was like, no, 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 let the little children come to me. Uh, We also have the picture of the disciples in that boat and the storms going crazy and Uh, Jesus is just having a little nap, uh, doing lots of ministry, really tired, and the disciples are freaking out that they're going to die, and they wake up Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, help! And Jesus calmed the storm and goes, guys, where's your faith? (laughs) I'm here with you. And the last one that I remembered was uh, the uh, the disciples arguing about who was the greatest in the kingdom, and Jesus rebuked them and said, whoa, 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 the greatest is the least. (laughs) So just the fact that you're arguing about this is a problem. Jesus often rebuked the disciples when he was teaching a lesson. In this instance, he doesn't. He celebrates with them. He rejoices in the Holy Spirit that the Father had sent these ordinary people to go and do great things for the kingdom. They accomplished his purposes and that was great for him. I love having conversations with people. A number of you would have had a conversation with me already, uh, maybe over coffee or maybe in the foyer. But I love having conversations. And one of the things that often happens is we have to have like a serious conversation with someone and so take them for coffee. And I'll end that coffee time looking back and go, wow, I don't actually know how that conversation went that way. I wasn't planning it to go that way, but it seemed to just flow so well. I don't have the skills to make that flow well. And then I go like, well, actually, Jesus loves it when we are doing things for his kingdom. Jesus loves it when we are trusting him and obeying him. And so in that moment, Jesus will Give me the words to say. And that's exactly what he did. And then I can go, oh, well, thank you, Jesus. I have the correct perspective now, and I understand that you love this. Do you know that Jesus loves it when you trust him and obey him? Do you know that he loves it when you go out for him? Even when we fail, he still loves it. Well, that is 
uh, very obvious uh, in this passage that really Jesus was celebrating with them as they returned. So Jesus calls us to correct perspective. And the second thing is that Satan's authority is mute. Satan's authority is gone and God's power is great. In the midst of this ministry that the 72 were doing, Jesus made an interesting statement in verse 18 and said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. It's quite a vivid picture. In fact, it's so vivid that I have a video for you. So take a look at the screen so you can uh, get a picture. Oh, that was a good rumble there. Let's play one more time. So that video was taken at 28,500 frames per second. Okay, that's like 28,500 pictures in one second if you don't know what that means. That is, that is very slow. <laughs> and then you see this picture of the lightning and it spreads out into lots of different strands, right? And those little strands are way smaller and weaker than what that initial strong strand was. Well, there's a picture in lightning of that being Satan's power trickling out. And the great thing about lightning, if you look at lightning, it never returns, right? Like that has trickled out and it's gone. And then the next thing you see in that lightning is there's the trickling, but then there's, there's also this powerful thunderbolt that is so quick that at 28,500 frames a second, it goes, bah, gone. That quick. And Jesus was making this picture of Satan's power dissipating, but also Satan falling so quickly, so suddenly that it was like lightning. That is what it is like now in the kingdom. Satan no longer has any power. We live in the kingdom of God. And we've been speaking a lot about that over the last couple of weeks. But there is a picture that Jesus made of it being sudden and it being a weakening of Satan. Now, we don't forget along the way that Satan definitely is still kicking and screaming, trying to hurt as much as possible, but the power that he has uh, is mute. He can no longer do what he used to do. I was also reminded uh, yesterday about this fact that we are living in a spiritual war. This is what Jesus was drawing their attention to. This isn't just uh, amazing things that were happening, but they were living in a spiritual war. And yesterday, uh, I was having tremendous fun with my family, one of the, one of the worst days, and uh, we got to the end of the day, and Kerry and I were curled in a ball, ro rocking back and forward in the corner. And um, she said, you're preaching tomorrow. I was like, yes. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> and then it made a whole bunch of sense. Like, no wonder yesterday was horrible. Like, Satan's trying to distract me. Because God wants to say something this morning. There's this spiritual battle, but Satan does not have the authority he used to have. In what the disciples did, he saw that. Thirdly, he wanted to, and this is important, he wanted them to see that their value wasn't in the successes that they saw, but their value was in Jesus. Their value was in their salvation. Their value was in the fact that they had chosen to love him and follow him, and that that was the benefit, that was the joy, that was what was most important. Verse 20 says, nevertheless, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Your names are written in heaven. This is of infinite importance if we think about God calling us to do something. If our names are written in heaven, then we are secure no matter what the outcome is. It's not about the things we can gain, 
but about the thing that we have gained. It's not about the things we can do for Jesus, but it's about the fact that Jesus died on the cross. That when he died on the cross, all those who believe in him, we die with him. All of our sin goes into that grave, but we get to rise again with him in joy and freedom and victory. Our value is not in all the things we can do. And Jesus makes that abundantly clear here. It's in their salvation. It's in the fact that our names are written in heaven. It's important to know as well that celebration is not wrong. (laughs) We don't want to say here that we shouldn't be celebrating when great things happen. In fact, we're a church who loves to celebrate, right? We celebrate all sorts of things. Celebrating is not not wrong if it was, and if it was If they had come back with a prideful heart of like, we did this, I guarantee you Jesus would have rebuked them. But they were genuinely wanting to do what Jesus called them to do. And so that's important to know. There's a great quote from Spurgeon. said, he did not mean in the present instance to censure their joy in their success, but only to make it subordinate, to make it lesser, to another rejoicing, and to prevent its growing to excess. I love that quote. All Jesus was trying to do is to make them see that the stuff that they were doing was a sub to who Jesus is and what that meant for them. There's a bunch of words um, that I, or a bunch of phrases and words I want to, to read here. And I just want you to see the picture here. These are uh, what the scripture sort of says about us or refers to us. And none of these are things we can achieve or do. So I'm going to read them and, and see if you can see that. Like we can't do any of these things. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. We can't do that. We're God's workmanship. We're loved. We're chosen. We're rescued and bought at a great price. We're a son and daughter of our Father. We're forgiven. We're a new creation. We're free from condemnation. We're a saint. We're righteous and holy. We can't do any of this. We're able to approach my Father with boldness, freedom, and confidence. We're complete in Christ. We're a temple where God lives a member of Christ's body, a joint heir with Christ, a citizen of heaven. We can't do any one of those things. Those things are all done for us, and they are finished, and they are done for anyone who loves Jesus and follows him. Then in verse 23, it goes on to say, then turning to the disciples, he said privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desire to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Here Jesus is giving a picture of the Old Testament prophets and all the people we read about in the Old Testament. We think about them being really great things, but they look forward to this moment. They look forward to this time that you get to spend with Jesus. Even for us, they would have looked forward to a moment when, we could, when they could have been in communion with God like we can be. How many of you have ever wanted to be uh, like a, a backseat viewer of like Moses uh, doing all of the plagues before Pharaoh? Right? Me? I, w- I want to see that. That would have been crazy. Maybe not there for like the bugs and gnats and things. Skip that part. Uh, what about when Elijah defeated the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel? I would have loved to have been there. But Jesus says here, that although we think about those and go, oh, we would love to be there. No, the thing that our attention should be is even greater the fact that you get to walk with the Messiah, that you get to know his love in your life. So, firstly, Jesus called us to correct perspective. Secondly, Satan's power is mute. Thirdly, our value is found in our salvation. And lastly, this all fits into God's sovereignty. 
God knows this all. Jesus prayed here in verse 21 and said, in that same hour he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Jesus, or even God, chooses to use the weak things of this world to confound the wise. Jesus chose to use 72 people for people to go like, wow, these people are doing incredible things. And you know what? Even today, Jesus chooses to use average you and me (laughs) to do his work. I don't know why, but that's God's sovereignty and that's his choice. And the great thing is that when he does call us and we're obedient, there is kingdom success. This all fits into God's sovereignty. What's funny as well is you think about all the old scribes and uh, you know, all those people who had studied uh, in those times, they were actually being quite offended at this statement, right? It's Jesus chooses to use the unwise and the, the unintelligent, so to speak. They would have been really offended, like, hey, we've spent all our time. But Jesus can use everyone and anyone, and we see that all through Scripture. I think an important thing to note is if Christianity was all about people being the super intelligent or the most wise or you know, the top dogs, uh, Christianity would be this elite organization that we wouldn't be able to be a part. But while we were still sinners, Jesus saw us and died for us. It's his good pleasure and his gracious will. Well, this is a good point to tell you the other side of my story. <laughs> So that story that I told you at the beginning is pretty grim and pretty bleak. But here's the other side, and this just shows that God is with us every step of the way. We may not know what tomorrow holds, but God is with us. So firstly, when we sold our house, we put the house in the market uh, the previous evening. Within 12 hours, we had someone go, I want that house. (laughs) And they signed papers, and it was all done. 12 hours. We needed that money to come here, and uh, God provided we needed their money to pay for the Airbnb, and God provided. When we had to do that emergency move super quick, my whole previous church staff team came together. Every single one of them spent the whole morning from early in the morning packing boxes with us, loading them onto trucks, and doing multiple trips back and forth from our old place to my mom's place. We got it done before 12. God provided. In the midst of this, we also uh, have that extended period of time, and you can imagine when we're expecting sort of four weeks and it moves on to 12 weeks, it can be a bit of a stressful (laughs) moment. Well, we also had um, incredible Zoom calls with uh, Paul and Carol um, still. You might know them, they're elders here at the church, uh, or elder couple, and um, in the midst of the time that we were facing, that was an encouragement that we needed. God was with us there in our loneliness, God was with us there when we needed connection. They also told us about life journaling, which meant that I could connect with you even though I wasn't here because you guys are doing life journaling. If you're not, you can go on the website and go find out more about that. There's a punt to life journaling. Um, But yeah, they were able to be an encouragement 17,000 kilometers away. (laughs) Matthew Price also had a, a, a Zoom call with us which just brought peace in our hearts and I'm sure that's been a similar experience if you've ever had a, a conversation with him. I was able to be a face on a screen in a Zoom meeting for the staff retreat last year as well, which allowed me to connect with some of the people I am now working with, which was really incredible. There was connection there. 
in the midst of all this house moving, there was multiple things that came available. Firstly, that Airbnb came available the same day and there was no one staying there for, it was a good couple of weeks. So we were able to move in there and stay there. That came out of nowhere. Um, and we praise Jesus for that. But then also when we had to move out of there and move into our next place, uh, one of Kerry's family members was out of the, the city and so her house was uh, vacant and so we were able to move into there as well. God provided. Even when we came here, God provided a, um, a place that we could stay for free for a period of time so that we could get settled and get prepared. God provided. Oh, and you'll be happy to know that our passports did arrive before the plane <laughs> flew out. Um, God provided in that way as well and just gave us a, a washing of peace going like, oh, God knows what he's doing even though we may not uh, know what tomorrow's holds. And then the last thing that I remember, and you guys will probably all remember this as well, but 36 hours after arriving here, the borders closed to Omicron. God makes a way. If we know and we have correct perspective in all of these things we find ourselves in life, in all of these troubles, in the, in the rushing and busyness of life, our perspective is on Jesus. It changes the way that we process life and it changes the way that we can step forward. It changes the way that we put one foot in front of the other. We don't put one foot in front of the other aimlessly, but we put one foot in front of the other knowing that Jesus is with us and for us. So four things to close out this morning that I want to bring your attention to. First, life with the correct perspective removes pride. Life with per correct perspective removes pride. In the dictionary, pride is defined as a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements. So there's this, there's this picture of pride is that, oh, I celebrate in what I have done or what I can achieve or the things I've gained. But no, if our perspective is in, it's all about Jesus, him dying on the cross. If the perspective is on there, then we can't have pride. It's nothing of what we can do. We can't actually do anything to make ourselves in a better state or better picture. That's all Jesus the amazing thing as well is that we don't have to try and protect our character, right? If our perspective is that it's all about Jesus' character, well, Jesus' character is immovable. We don't have to protect our character. We can just focus on him, trust him, and be obedient to him. Secondly, life with the correct perspective, life with the correct perspective, why did I do a tongue twister? That's terrible. Brings joy, <laughs> Brings joy. Life with correct perspective brings joy. When you think about this, joy is not happiness, right? Happiness in our lives comes and goes. There are moments when we feel deep pain. We're not happy in those moments. But joy is the knowledge that God is for us. Joy is the knowledge that our name is written in heaven. Joy is the knowledge that even when we face the most difficult moments in our lives, that Jesus is with us, but also that we will be reunited with him one day and all of that will be gone. There's an inner joy that comes with correct perspective that cannot come from us trying to achieve it on our own. We can try and achieve happiness, sure, but that joy only comes from Jesus. Uh, I have a picture of my grandfather who passed away a few years ago and um, when he had passed away, yeah, it was a very sad morning. I can remember it very clearly. Uh, I cried, I didn't know what to do, but I also had this joy because I knew that he loved Jesus. And uh, he suffered with a, 
an illness that made him in immense pain every day. Uh, he, I can remember him uh, every day having some kind of uh, like, ah, moan, you know? And so all of that pain is now gone and he's able to celebrate and be with Jesus every day. I have this joy and it doesn't go away. There's a joy that we get to journey with Jesus. Thirdly, life with correct perspective brings hope. And if you think about these disciples as they stepped out, I mean the disciples, the 72, as they stepped out, you'll remember that they they were sent out with nothing, right? They had no bag on their back, no sandals on their feet, and they had to trust Jesus that he was gonna do what he told them that he was gonna do. Well, they had hope that that was true, right? And we can have that same hope today. In Matthew 6, it speaks about uh, the birds of the air. Look at the birds of the air. They have everything they need. And I love you way, way more than those birds. I will cater for your needs. There's hope. And in our daily lives where Jesus is challenging us and encouraging us to step out for him in our workplaces, in our homes, with our families, we are on mission for Jesus but we have a hope, an everlasting hope that he is with us and that he will always be with us. I love the picture of the 72 returning. They must have had hope, right? All 72 came back. If they didn't have hope, they wouldn't have returned, right? They would have been, oh, well, this is not a good idea. This is way too hard. But no, they had hope. In fact, they came back so excited. Jesus, Jesus, you won't, be- you won't believe what happened. They had this hope that Jesus was standing there waiting for them with a smile on his face going like, wow, I'm so excited with you. There was this hope. Lastly, life with correct perspective brings peace and it brings rest. I'm reminded in the times, and I think even if you're in a life group this last week, it was part of the, the material as well. When we're challenged to reach our family for Jesus, when we're challenged to tell the people that we work with or people we're close to about Jesus. There's a tremendous peace in that, in this, that it's not our responsibility, their salvation. We just have to be obedient and trust Jesus, right? It's Jesus who does that work. And so there's this peace that no matter what happens, I've been obedient and I've listened to him. There's a realigning of perspective going well, this is all about him. And so, like, that doesn't fall on me. I think about people on their deathbed. And I've heard many stories of people who love Jesus, who have made that choice to follow him, who have given their whole lives over to him. And I'm sure you've heard of this as well, where they go, Jesus, I'm ready for you to take me now. And there's this peace. Or, I'm ready to go now and then they just close their eyes. There's this beauty of peace that Jesus brings. Unfortunately, the opposite is also true. Those who haven't made a a call to follow Jesus is often there's a wrestling in those final moments. But for those who do love Jesus, there is peace. And further on in that Matthew 6 passage, is I think it is my favorite passage. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And all of those things that were mentioned, all of our needs will be met before him. Seek first his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and that'll all be met. We can have peace and know that we can take, we can put one foot in front of the other with our perspective aligned with Jesus 
and know that it's going to be okay and there will be peace and hope and joy in our hearts. So, this morning, how can we be more in love with Jesus? I think the word this morning speaks for itself. I don't feel like I need to say anything because I do feel like Jesus is speaking to you this morning. I feel like Jesus is saying to you, and maybe you can search your own hearts in this moment, but he's saying, where is your alignment right now? Where is your perspective right now? I'm facing this, but where's my perspective? Is my perspective that I'm all of those things that Jesus says I am? Or is my perspective that everything is falling apart? Is my perspective that God is for me and not against me, that he loves me, that he cares about every need I have? Or is my perspective that I'm really struggling, that I don't know what tomorrow is gonna look like? When our lives are aligned with Jesus and we have the correct perspective, he will work and he will move and we will be able to live a life with peace and joy and hope. And there's no greater way this morning and to think about correct perspective, and to take communion together. And for those who don't know what communion is, communion is something we do as believers. Those who have chosen to love Jesus, those who have chosen to live for him, this is what we do to remember him. This is what we do to remember the sacrifice that he made for us. This is to remember that we were buried with him in the grave. And to remember as well that we get to live this life with the the perspective that gives us joy, hope, and peace. And so, in 1 Corinthians, it says, and then he gave thanks. Sorry, go back. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We remember, we have the perspective this morning that his body broken for us means that the perspective in our life will lead us to these things. So in memory of Jesus' body broken for us, let's eat together this morning. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as, you, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We proclaim that Jesus died for us and the victory that that means for us. And we drink the blood in remembrance of that this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your immense love for us. Lord, that you would pay the ultimate price, a painful death on the cross. But Lord, you did that so that whoever believes in you, Lord, we would have eternal life. We would experience the blessings that come with knowing you and loving you and following you.
And so this morning, we want to pray that you would help us have correct perspective. We want to be aligned with you. Just like these disciples who came back, Lord, we do want to be excited about life and ministry. But Lord, we want it to be centered on who you are, not on what we can do. There's just two groups of people I want to encourage this morning. Firstly, I realize that having correct perspective is incredibly difficult. And maybe in your life at the moment, it is really, really difficult to actually think, how can I get to that place where my perspective can be on Jesus when everything feels like it's falling apart? If that's you, we're going to have a team of people up front praying Or if you want a little bit more privacy, you can go to the prayer room as well. But I I do realize that, that sometimes just life circumstances just don't make sense and you don't know where to go. And so there are people who do want to pray with you this morning. And then secondly, we've spoken a lot about uh, us who love Jesus, who have chosen to follow him, who have made him the king of our lives. But maybe you haven't done that. And maybe this morning you're feeling a little tug in your heart, Jesus going, hey, hey, I love you. Come to me. If you've never done that, there's an opportunity for that this morning as well. And you can also come and speak to any of the prayer people who will be standing in the front. I do encourage you as um, the amazing youth band just lead us in worship at the end here. Don't just sing through the words, but see, Jesus what do you want to say to me in this, in this realigning, in this uh, perspective changing, this perspective towards you? What do you want to say to me now in this moment? I don't want to walk away from here the same, but I want to walk here away from here encouraged by you and more on fire for you.